0: connecting life and faith this is connections
1: we have so much comfort available to us in christ and yet a lot of people were taking all their fears all their control issues to the internet instead of to god and as i was watching this this idol of control essentially being exposed this deep intolerance for uncertainty i realized this is a major discipleship problem in our culture And it was something that I wanted to dig into deeper.
2: And that's exactly what she does in her latest book. We're joined today by Sharon Honey Miller. She is the author of the book, The Cost of Control, Why We Crave It, The Anxiety It Gives Us, and The Real Power God Promises. Today on Connections, she is going to help us discover the real power God has given us in Christ to exercise influence over ourselves and our lives. We're joined today by Sharon Honey-Miller. She is a teaching pastor at Bright City Church in Durham, North Carolina. She's also an author. Her latest book is what we're talking about today. It's called The Cost of Control, Why We Crave It, The Anxiety It Gives Us, and The Real Power God Promises.
3: What got you into ministry? What is it about ministry that you're passionate about? Well,
1: I got into ministry because God called me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's a good reason.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, really, it's it's as simple as that. You know, the longer, there's probably a much, much longer version, but that that is how I got into ministry.
3: What is it about ministry that you love so much now that
1: you are in it? Oh, um, I love teaching the Bible. Like, mm-hmm. I really love it. And I think part of that goes back, I remember when I was 14 or 15, the first time I understood the Bible wasn't this, like, book book of wise sayings, basically, but that it was, you know, living and active and really good, (laughs) like good content. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember the first time I was like, do people know what's in here? Like, this is really good. And I think a lot of my teaching is sort of driven by wanting other people to have that same moment of like, whoa, you know, about what's what's in scripture.
0: It's it's exciting, right, when you get a new perspective or a new understanding of a piece of scripture and like, whoa, this is what Jesus uh-huh. was saying to these people or what God was saying through the prophets or whatever.
1: Yeah, and and the more you dig into scripture, like the deeper it goes, you know, it's just it's crazy. So I love that.
0: That you actually have a Ph.D., is that correct? Is it in theology or biblical studies no, or something else? No, it's
1: not. Else? My husband has a Ph.D. in theology, but the you have to learn German for that. And I was like, I'm out. (laughs) That's what I'm
0: going to do a demon one day instead of a PhD. Yeah.
1: yeah, So (laughs) mine is in actually educational studies, which is sort of a hybrid discipline of psychology, sociology, theology, philosophy. It kind of pulls in all these different things. And then my topic was why evangelical women go to seminary.
0: Very interesting. I got to read that thesis sometime then. Uh, And then you and your husband decided to plant this church together. What was that process like and what was that calling like there? How did you discern that? We
1: actually swore we would never plant a church. Like we had no desire to plant a church. We felt like that was great for other people and we were fully supportive of them, but we just thought God would never call us to plant. But then about five years ago, a little over five years ago, we were praying about taking a position at another church. And in the middle of that interview process, my husband got this literal like vision from God that we were not supposed to be doing that and that God wanted us to plant a church. And at first he didn't even tell me about it because he was like, we're not doing this, but he finally told me, and we spent about six months asking God for confirmation. He sent it, and then we finally said yes to that call, but it was not something that we dreamed about, wanted to do, especially if we had known we'd be church planting a year and a half before a pandemic, <laughs> we, would, uh, yeah, we would have said, nope, we're out, but thankfully, we didn't know that, <laughs> so God's been really faithful to that call, though.
3: And what was it like in the midst of that like you said planting in the middle of a pandemic what was that like You know
1: very hard very hard like the the beginning of the the early years of a church plant are hard anyway you're you're clarifying your identity as a church which is a, actually a very painful process mm. but the pandemic Fed that up because every decision that we made during that two year period, it clarified our values as a church. And that was very good. But it also meant some people said, I'm I don't agree with that or that I don't value that. And so they left. But it, it also had the effect of drawing people as well. And so that was good, but it was a painful experience in the meantime.
3: Now, not only are you involved in ministry, you're also an author. Your latest Mm -hmm. book is called The Cost of Control, Why We Crave It, The Anxiety It Gives Us, and The Real Power God Promises. Now, this is something that many of us can relate to. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to put this book together?
1: Well, we were just talking about the pandemic, and the pandemic was a big inspiration for it. I was watching how people in our church were responding to the pandemic, And I was also watching how Christians online were responding to the pandemic. Um, And it was striking to me that, by and large, Christians were not responding to the pandemic by drawing on the millennia of spiritual resources that have been handed down to us by Christians before us, by, you know, God's most of scripture is written by people who are living through plagues, oppression, oppression. Exile, you know, we have so much comfort available to us in Christ. And yet a lot of people were taking all their fears, all their control issues to the Internet instead of to God. And as I was watching this this idol of control essentially being exposed, this deep intolerance for uncertainty, I realized this is a major discipleship problem in our culture. And it was something that I wanted to dig into deeper but it also in that process it helped me to identify I never thought I struggled with control like a lot of people <laughs> ask like they say how did you know you're a control freak and I, I I'm like I didn't.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
1: I didn't think that I wrestled with it until I started digging into it to really form spiritually form the people in my own church and it turned out God had some lessons for me as well
0: that what what do you think some of the biggest Uh, Issues were then how the church has been responding the last two and a half years to the pandemic and the the things that you saw playing out.
1: Yeah. So I think a, a big revelation from the last couple of years is that we live in a culture that is constantly promising us control. Because of our technology, because of advances in science and medicine, we are constantly promised predictability. We are promised certainty. You know, we know what the weather is going to be probably 10 days from now. We know when a package that we ordered is likely to arrive on our doorstep within, you know, a matter of hours. We, if we're having like a physical problem, we can go on the internet and Google what's going on. We're also promised a lot of control over our bodies, like all these diets to keep our weight down or to protect us from getting cancer. Here's all these serums or whatever to help you defy aging. And so we're constantly promised control, but that control is an illusion, And what we saw in the pandemic was sort of this market correction, this return to reality. And, you know, the the title of the book, The Cost of Control, is that whenever we try to control something that God has not given us to control, it comes with a cost. And one of those costs, when you retreat into the illusion of control, is your faith at your because you are taking your fears to control, to rescue instead of God, and so I think what we saw was the illusion of control that we'd all been retreating into, thanks to our technology, it was suddenly shattered, and we found ourselves unprepared to live in the actual world.
3: So how do we get back on track, and how do we figure this all out?
1: Well, part of it was hopefully just naming that, that, that the reason that we struggle so much with anxiety, a lot of that is actually control related. And so that's another cost of control is anxiety. Anytime you try to control something that God has not given you to control, it, it creates anxiety. And so just naming part of the reason you are, you're responding to the world the way that you are is you're trying to control it. And so simply naming that is, I think, very, very powerful. There's there's a phrase when you name it, you tame it. And I think that that is the case here. But for me, also, the cost of control, that concept is what was really helpful to me, because I don't know about you, I know as a Christian that I shouldn't try to control things. I know that, you know, when I'm in a situation, I know I should surrender. I should trust God. I should let go. That has never been helpful to me, <laughs> like in the middle of it, that has never been helpful to me. But understanding that anytime we try to control something that God has not given us to control, it will come with a cost. And that is a rule of the universe because it was written into creation in Genesis 3. Understanding that and accepting that, that has reframed things for me because in situations now where I realize I am trying to control my husband right now and I can keep pushing in this direction, but it will cost my marriage. And I might not see that today. I might not see that tomorrow, but it's going to take a toll on our relationship, on our intimacy. And that is a very different question. Because it's, it's not simply saying you shouldn't control your husband, but it is going to cost you when you do. And that's what I found just generally knowing that that you shouldn't do something is not as compelling as knowing why. And that is the message of this book, the why of why we shouldn't control.
0: So if you are saying that when we try to control something that's not ours to control, it causes anxiety. Then are you daring to suggest that when we submit and give up control and give it to God that might give us the opposite of anxiety which is peace?
1: Yes, I am daring to <laughs> submit that to you. That and it's 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 counterintuitive when you are in really difficult situations in you know relationships with loved ones where they're making decisions that you really want to walk them back from or you want to snatch them away from. Everything in you wants to force that person to make a different decision. And it's easy to think that the reason I feel so much anxiety is because of the decisions that they're making. And that is a piece of it but not recognizing you are actually exacerbating that anxiety far, far more by trying to control this situation. And so there are some things outside of ourselves that we have absolutely no control over. But one of the few things that we do have control over is whether or not, you know, how we respond in situations like that one. And we do have the option to either make our anxiety worse
3: or to hand it over to God. How has all of this impacted your own life and what did you experience when you were able to, you know, get rid of that control and give up that? I mean, it has it's
1: impacted my marriage. It has impacted my parenting. And it has impacted my my role as a pastor. I'll speak to parenting because that that's a very nuanced balance where we have so much influence over our children. We are given tremendous influence, tremendous authority over our kids, but making sure that we walk this line of teaching them, guiding them, disciplining them, all of that. But knowing at the end of the day, there are things about our children that we just cannot control. We can't control what path they choose for their lives. We can't control, you know, if they put their faith in Jesus. And if we make the mistake of thinking we can control those things, it will it will damage our relationship with them. And so that has been really humbling. My kids are still very little, But that has been a constant source of of humility and a a reason for prayer in my own life. And then I also mentioned just in my marriage, we lead a church together. We don't always agree on the direction of the church. And so when we are sort of locked in our our wills or opposed, it's easy to justify getting my way because these are kingdom stakes we're talking about, (laughs) but realizing I can get my way here, and I don't think this is best for the church, but it's going to ding our marriage. And is it worth it? Is getting my way with the church worth what it is going to do to my marriage? And honestly, the answer is always no. And so that has also been really helpful to me.
3: What about us out there that are in denial, not really wanting to ever give up this control and listening to this going, uh, you know,
1: (laughs) what do you say to those people? Well, you know, just to reiterate what I said before, we think that control is something we can get away with, especially, and we have ways of justifying why getting our way. And sometimes it's very good reasons. Like sometimes you do actually know what is best for someone. And so it's not even that we're always inventing that. But we we because of that, we justify and think that if I just insert myself, if I just impose my will in this situation, that I can actually make it turn out right. And part of the reason we know that that's not how it works is that that is not how God works. When we look, especially at Genesis one and two, where we see this perfect relationship between Adam and Eve and God, we see that on the one hand, God is in control But he is not controlling. He does not micromanage them. He has this way. There's this mysterious balance of God's sovereignty and their free will. And that is a balance that as his image bearers is really important for us to honor as well. And when we don't honor that by trying to control people, then we are defying the order of creation. And we see the fallout of that all throughout Genesis. Every time people, Sarah is a great example where she knows God wants her and Abraham to have many descendants. She knows this is God's will. I'm going to help him achieve this. And then she brings in Hagar into this situation. And then Hagar has Ishmael. And not only does it not fix the situation, it makes it way, way worse. And that is what we know will happen whenever we try to control things that we have not been given to control.
0: You're, you're making me think a lot of a certain disciple, actually, and I'm not saying that anybody that has control issues is like this person, but it makes me think of Judas, right? And mm. anytime he spoke up, it was about control. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you letting this woman waste money on this perfume and stuff, right? And we mm. oh, anointing your feet. We could have done this. We could have done that. You don't mm-hmm. know what you're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's control is at odds with reality is the plain and simple truth and so for anyone who's listening thinking but I know I know what's best I need to control this situation I want to say I have compassion for that I completely understand I'm in that spot all the time but that is at odds with reality it is at odds with reality as scripture narrates it to us and we can deny that and it will cost us or we can receive it and it will not
3: So technically we can be in control but not take control yeah
1: i mean in control is is also that's a really i don't even know if we have time to go down (laughs) people probably need to to just read the book but i actually define control two different ways the first is when you are imposing your will on people or circumstances but very often what we are actually after is not actual control but simply the feeling of control, that illusion of control, which has nothing to do with whether or not you actually are in control. And our desire for that feeling of control can be just as damaging. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, and we see that with everything I described earlier with the pandemic is we were retreating into this feeling of control made possible by technology. And because of that, we were taking all of our fears to technology and the internet instead of bringing them to God. And so even with that, I would be I would be really careful about using the language of, of feeling in control. God does give us power. He gives us influence. I described this using a word called agency, which is the power to influence oh. ourselves and our circumstances. We have tremendous influence, but the real question I would say is putting down the power that God has not given us to pick up the power that he has.
0: Okay, you've piqued my interest. You've convinced me I need to read this book. I'm being serious here. It's really got me thinking now. So tell us, how do we get the book? And also, how do we follow along with you online? Keep up to what else you're doing and your latest projects in ministry?
1: Well, the book is available anywhere books are sold. And I am most active on Instagram, Sharon H. Miller. You can find me there.
3: Thank you so much for making time for us. We really appreciate it.
2: It's been fun. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.